0: Today we're going to be talking about an awakening to love, an awakening to love. Have you ever joined a team or gotten a new job, or, you know, whatever the case, you're the new person in the room, or in the organization, or, or on the team, and, but, but you still didn't feel like you belonged. Anybody? Can I, can I just see an, an honest raise of hands? Yeah. Yeah, it's like you show up, and you're like, man, I don't know if I belong here. Maybe you came to church this morning, and you're the new person in the room, and, and you're still trying to f- figure that out. Man, do I belong? And in so many teams and organizations, and maybe classrooms, you know, when you get there and you're the new person, it almost feels like you got to earn your stripes. It, it feels like you got to put in your time, that, that you start out as that low man or low woman on the totem pole, like they say. Maybe you got a job and you walked in, and on your first day, the person training you or onboarding you looked at you and said, okay. We'll see how long you last, (laughs) right? And that just fills you with this inspiring feeling of confidence and acceptance and love. No, no, not at all, right? Maybe you've been married a while, and you're still wondering when your father-in-law or your mother-in-law is going to accept you. Can I get an amen? I thank God I have amazing in-laws that have loved me and accepted me from day one. But I know that some of you are in that situation, right? Right? Once, uh, when I was quite a bit younger, I joined a construction crew and I, I got on the job and I had no idea anything about the trade that I had signed up for, that I was getting paid to do and not much, grant you, uh, but I, I was getting paid to be there and you know you show up on the job a total newbie and, and I was learning on the job and, and very quickly over those first few days, guess what title I earned? The journeyman that was training me uh, affectionately referred to me as, okay, donkey. <laughs> he, my name was Donkey. Why? Because I carried things from here to there. I, I was nothing but a pack mule, right? And he was joking. And, and man, we had a good time. We grew, to, we, grew, we grew to be really good friends, but I didn't know how to do anything else. But little by little, we became closer friends. I earned his respect, and he might have still affectionately called me donkey, but at least it felt better, right? Maybe you grew up in a home where, no matter what you did, you never felt like you could earn your stripes even in your own family. Felt like you'd never please mom, never please dad. Just always feel like you're trying to catch up. Trying to get love that feels like maybe a carrot just dangled out in front of you and you just can't ever catch it. And sometimes the, the kind of bummer thing is that we carry that kind of thinking into our walk with Christ. Now, before you say, oh, Joe, well, I, I would never do that. Let me just tell you as a pastor, I have conversations all the time with people that are worried about whether God is happy with them or not. That are worried whether or not they're, that, you know, God would still love them after they made, made this choice or that. And so maybe sometime you come back to God, maybe you've messed up and you've, you've, you've done some things that you feel like really separated you from Him and maybe you even intentionally, you walked the other way from God and you've come back and, you're, and you know that God accepts you with open arms, but you're thinking to yourself, well, we'll see how long I last this time. Maybe you even say, well, I, got, I know that God says he forgives me. I, I know that that's what we believe, that, that he throws my sin as far as the east is from the west, but I'm not sure I believe it yet. Maybe you think things like, well, I better really get to work this time or, or the church people will think that I'm just a spiritual loser. And so during this series, we, we talked the first week about an awakening to longing, you know, just waking up that there's more to life than this. And then last week, we talked about an awakening to regret. And what do we do with that as we turn towards repentance? And, and so this week, we're talking about an awakening to love. An awakening to love. Because, man, God's love for you is unmatched. I want you to imagine right now the most loving person that you've ever encountered in your whole life. Maybe it was your grandma. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was just a friend. Maybe it was somebody you knew down the street that just always seemed to have a, an endless supply of love. Maybe you've never even met them. Maybe maybe it's somebody you just heard about um, how amazingly loving they were. Maybe like Mother Teresa. Like that's just your picture, Your, your the bar that was set of somebody that is loving. They were selfless. They were gentle. They were kind, bottomless reservoirs of grace. But listen, your best version, your best vision or example of love is still only a reflection of God's love for you. One of the best things that you could ever do in your entire life is to have an ever-expanding view of God's love. That, that it never, like, stops. It's never like, okay, I get it. No, you don't, and neither do I. God is love. And what is amazing is that he loves you and me. And no man-made definition of love will ever, ever suffice. Listen, nothing, nothing, maybe you just need to write that, that word nothing in your notes, nothing can ever make God love you less or more. And no buts can come after that statement, like, God loves me, but, or I know God loves me, but, right? Because we do that, we try to explain it away, we try to put man-made you know, limits or bars, Or we, we do. God's love is forever, and it's always independent of your performance. What's amazing and crazy to me is what happens in the gap. And the gap between the journey home that we're going to talk, you know, the the prodigal son that we've been talking about in Luke 15 for the past couple weeks, you know, we don't know how long his journey home was. We don't know how many miles he traveled to that city where he wasted all the money. We don't know how far the farm was where he landed to tend the pigs. We don't know how long the journey was between the journey home and the forgiving open arms of his father. But what happened in that gap is nothing short of a miracle. And the only thing that we really see changed in the young man's life was the direction of his footsteps. That he began going towards God's love instead of away from it. Think about it. He didn't know how he would be received. He had done nothing to deserve God's grace. In fact, he was going home expecting not to get it. I love Greg Laurie's story. Greg Laurie is a pastor in Southern California. He's the founder of the Harvest Crusades, uh, the amazing evangelistic conferences there in Southern California that have led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Christ. And Greg Laurie tells the story of when he came to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ, when he believed and he tells it like this that he he was in school and there and back in the 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 60s or 70s i can't remember which but there was there was these jesus freaks they called them these jesus people that were just absolutely crazy in love with god and they wanted the whole world to know And so naturally at school, they were telling everybody and they were talking about Jesus all the time to the point that Greg Laurie was just super annoyed with them. Have you ever known somebody that talked about Jesus so much that they just get a little annoying sometimes? Right. And so these people that were like to the point of annoying, they're just talking about him and talking about him. And and you know what Greg Laurie thought about them? He thought they were crazy people. Nuts! completely out of their mind what is wrong with them. And so you know what he did? He made fun of them all the time. And he, he would just berate them and, and joke about them. And, and, and his mind and his heart were just completely closed to the thought that there could be a God who loves them. And, and, and not only that, but that these people had anything intelligent to say. And he tells the story that one day, all of a sudden, as he heard them doing what they had always done, and talking like they'd always talked, and he was more annoyed than ever, in one moment, something happened in his heart. And all of a sudden, he believed. And he explains that from that moment on, his life has never been the same. And he didn't do anything to deserve it. He wasn't even looking for it. In fact, he was mocking and he was hurling insults. And, and at that moment, for some reason, his heart shifted and he believed. He believed that there was a God who loved him and that, that died for him on the cross and rose again. And, and he gave his life to Jesus and, and the rest is history. He's the pastor of a great church, has led thousands, tens of thousands of people to Jesus. And so whatever happens in that moment, on that journey home, when you think you don't deserve it, when you think he's not real, when you think that God has given up on you, whatever happens in that space, I don't get it. It's unexplainable, but it's a miracle. How in an instant we go from death to life, from prison to forgiven, from unworthy to wrapped up in the open arms of a loving God. It's a miracle. And so today, the prayer is, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me and awaken in me the awareness that I am your unconditionally loved child. Yes. Your unconditionally loved child. Now, this series is a progression, and so I encourage you, if you've missed any of the weeks, to go back and start at the beginning and because each week builds upon the last But at this point in the story, the first thing that we see is that we need to let God's love replace our shame. Let God's love replace your shame. In Luke 15, 21, the son said to the father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Man, we could go back to last week and talk a lot about this, just this state of regret, this state of shame, this state of turning around in our shame, in our sin, acknowledging I'm a sinner that needs a Savior, and running to Jesus. The son rehearsed this speech on the way home. He had decided what he was going to say in the pig pen, and when he got face-to-face with the father who had run to him on the road, he's saying the same things again. He was going home in shame, but he was accepted in love. And this is what I just can't get over, the speed of God's love and forgiveness in the son's life. And it's there for you too, that when you come and you're feeling unworthy and you're feeling broken and, you, and sin has just taken its toll on your life, you feel like when it comes to life, you've been ridden hard and put up with, right? You feel like, man, life has not been kind. To you. But God, but God, Ephesians 2 4 through 6 says, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much. Man, own that for yourself today. God loves me so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. Another verse says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so when we come back to Jesus, when we run into the arms of a loving God, the first step is to just let God's love replace my shame. Now, God's the only one that can forget, right? The Bible literally says that he forgets our sins. He will remember them no more when we're covered by the blood of Jesus on the cross. What an amazing and miraculous thought, right? But man, I know that you and I, you know, we don't forget our sin. We remember. And so here is this kind of tough thing that that we remember what our lives once were, but we've got to step out of the shame and into the loving arms of the Father. And so there's always this, this remembrance, the knowledge of the past. We know where we came from. We keep this heart of a servant that the son had when he went home. He, he just wanted to be in God's house. He just wanted to be in his presence. He just wanted to be with his father. But then we get to accept the fact that we are accepted like a son. It makes me think of other verses in God's word that talk about when you humble yourself, God will lift you up to a place of honor. And so I just wanna encourage you today. You're feeling shame, you can't forget it. Well, you might not be able to forget it. You might not be able to forget what you did, but that doesn't mean you can't step out of the shame and accept the titles that God has given you. You can accept the status of sonship. You can say, I am accepted by God. I'm a part of the family. I am forgiven. And so while it's 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 impossible to forget where we came from, the life of sin that we that we once were were trapped in, we can still be fully released from the shame of our past. And some of you just need to hear that today because maybe you've been trying to follow Jesus for a long time, but you've been you've been following him with, with closed hands. You've been clenched on to that old stuff, you've been clenched onto that old identity, you've been clenched on to that life of shame and regret. And, Maybe it's just time to just let it go. Just let it go. Now, we talked about a couple weeks ago how, how you know if, if, if you're gonna start drinking out of the, the living water cup that God has for you, you gotta put down the old one. And so it's one thing to let go of your shame. But what do we pick up? And let's, let's talk about that. Number two. The second thing that you and I have to do is we gotta let God's love rewrite our identity. Let God's love rewrite your identity. I've said it before, and you'll hear me say it again. It's impossible to behave in a way inconsistent with how you see yourself. It's impossible to behave in a way inconsistent with how you see yourself. I don't know a a better explanation of why identity is so important and why you need to take on your God-given identity instead of your identity of sin and shame that's in your past. Have you ever thought, how do I form my thoughts about myself? How do you form thoughts about yourself? Well, you do it on a daily basis, whether you do it intentionally or not. You do it all the time. You take it from cues from your life, maybe those experiences where you felt like you were on the outskirts, when you were, you were, you were the low man on the totem pole, where you just could never measure up. And can I just encourage you today that when you, when you go to rewrite your identity, it's way better to write your identity based on God's love rather than your performance. This is what the story the moral of the story is is that is that when the son came home he wasn't accepted based on what he had done he was it was based on God's love and who God is. And so when you go to write your identity when you go to decide who you're going to tell yourself that you are and who God says you are, I'm gonna write it based on God's love rather than my performance. Why don't we write it on our performance? Because when you do, when you write your identity based on your performance, you are always either a winner or a loser. I love winning. And we do win sometimes. I have some great days, killer days. Days when I just, I feel like, man, I did everything right today. I hit it out of the park. I didn't, I didn't say anything I wasn't supposed to. I, I didn't, you know, think anything I wasn't supposed to. I had a great day. And then the next day, what do I do? I crash and burn, right? Maybe I didn't have enough coffee. Maybe nobody gave me a piece of chocolate. Maybe, you know, my wife looked at me wrong. And for whatever reason, I just completely derail. And five minutes later, I'm like, what is wrong with me? The other day we were doing something, and I I was joking, but I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot. And Soby, my man, he was like, Joe, don't talk like that about yourself. And I knew he was right. Even though I just, I was just, you know, I was joking. I, oh man, I'm such an idiot. But it's true. We form our thoughts based on what comes out of your mouth and you will always be a winner some days and a loser some days. And so don't write your identity based on that. That's why we have God's love. We write it upon God's love because you are who he says that you are. Luke 5 4 through 11 gives an amazing picture of this in the life of Peter. And so Jesus had been speaking and, and then he turns around to the disciples who were fishing and he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, who's, this is the, the, the man who later became Peter. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Remember, some days you win and some days you lose. But if you say so, now, I just want to stop right there. That's a really good attitude to have. I even told one of my boys this morning, hey, when I tell you to do something, just do it. of <laughs> of Just do it. And so that, that's a really good lesson to learn. Can I get an amen? And, and it's a really good reason to, to do the things God says because he said so. Right? And so I'm not taken away from that lesson at all. Sometimes we just gotta buckle down and just we just gotta do it. And so Peter, he has, we would say, man, way to go, Peter. He just he just obeyed God even though he didn't understand. But if you really boil it down, that's the basis of something that we like to call religion. That we're doing it because we're supposed to. Your wife elbows you Sunday morning. It's 9.30, said, you better get up and take a shower, we gotta go to church. But if you say so, baby, right? Go <laughs> if I have to. She's like, I won't feed you lunch if you don't go to church. Then so you're like, oh, you get up out of bed? Oh, if you say so. And too much of the time, that's our bar when it comes to following Christ. We're just doing it because we know we're supposed to, we're just doing it because we know we have to, and we've got this, but if, you know, this, this if you say so attitude that is based on your performance. And so, but if you say so, I'll, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Wow. And there's a couple lessons there. When we just do it God's way, he blesses us, things get better. It's awesome, right? When Simon Peter. Re- when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, and here's where the abundance of the mouth the heart speaks, right? "Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man." So, think about this. Even though Peter was doing what God said, even though Peter had just experienced an amazing miracle, even though his life was full of Jesus's blessings, he still had the old tapes rolling. He still was full of shame. He still had not rewritten his identity. It says, For he was awestruck by the number of fish that, had, that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And so here they were in, in just the presence of a loving God. And how many of you know that when you start thinking about how much God loves you, even though you've ran the other way sometimes, even though you've messed up, you just kinda feel like, ah, not too good about yourself. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Other translation says, hey, you are now fishers of men. Gave him a new identity. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What an amazing turn of events. He goes from religion to relationship. He goes from just because God said so to I have a new identity in Christ. I'm leaving the old behind and I'm stepping into the new. Not because of his his performance, but because of who God is and how good Jesus is that I can't help but follow him. Amen. Listen, there's a gap between what's in your head and what's in your heart. Peter was afraid. He probably thought that he wasn't good enough. He probably thought that, man, when he saw the greatness and the goodness of a loving God, that he could never measure up. And some of you are in that spot that your identity is still stuck in the old way. And how do we know what's in our hearts? By what comes out of our mouth and the thoughts that we think and so think about it. What am I saying about myself? What am I thinking about myself? What, what kind of thoughts are playing in my head all the time? And, and I know who God says I am, but, but what out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is speaking, what do I think about myself? And so look what happens in our story in Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 24. Look what happened when the son returned home. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. He said to, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. There's the shame. But his father said to his servants, I love it. He doesn't even answer him. The father says to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost. Now he is found. So the party began. As simple as that. Now, some of us that that grew up kind of religious, maybe, maybe you grew up kind of legalistic, The first thing you're thinking, you're, well, it's just not that simple. Or maybe it is. Maybe, just maybe, God's grace is bigger than anything that you could ever imagine. (laughs) Maybe even when you're a, a long way off, but you've changed your direction and you're headed home, when you walk a thousand steps away from Jesus, And you turn around and take a couple towards him, and he's right there. Because he's just that good. The father's actions rejected the son's proposal. The son came home in shame, and God and the father didn't even answer. He just starts giving him a new identity. It wasn't asked for. It wasn't wasn't deserved. None of it. He just gives it. Listen, Jesus didn't just say he loves you, his actions proved it when he came and he took on flesh and blood and he walked a life just like you and me and he suffered in every way just like you and I have. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest in Jesus who, who can't sympathize with our weakness but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he didn't sin and so come now to the throne of grace so that you could find grace and help in your time of need amen? When you least expected it, when you least deserved it, Jesus came into your life unannounced, unasked. Some of you, you feel like, I didn't even invite Jesus in, and man, he's just blowing my world up and showing me how good he is. Jesus didn't just say he loves you, his actions proved it. You see this robe that the father threw around his son, this is, was probably the father's own robe. This was a symbol of rest. Hey, come on home, take the load off. This was the symbol of righteousness that he was covering him, not with the son's righteousness, but with God's righteousness. The ring that he put on his finger in that culture, it likely would have been a family signet ring showing that the father received him, not as a servant, but as his son. And it would have restored his son's authority in the family as a son of the house. And once again, remember, the son came home in shame. But God gave him something he didn't deserve. The sandals that were put on his feet. Listen, in that culture and in that time, that was so significant because servants... Were barefoot. Servants didn't wear sandals. But he came home barefooted. And so the father said, Get some shoes on this boy. Why? Because he's not a servant. He's my son. And the father decided he would not receive the son as a servant. And so I would just ask you today. What is it gonna take? What's it gonna take for God to prove his love to you? What's it gonna take for you to finally lay down your shame? What's it gonna take for you to finally start rewriting the tapes of your identity based on the word of God? What will convince you Some of you, I I just feel in the depths of my spirit, you're leaving this gift on the shelf. You're staying comfortable in the, the black and white linear lines of religion instead of letting Jesus rewrite your relationship based on who he is and not on your performance. Some of you are leaving the gift on the shelf. You've accepted it. Maybe you took it out from under the tree and you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this gift, but you never unwrapped it. You just put it on the shelf because you're like, it's just, it's just something to look at and gawk at, but you never opened the box. You never, you'd never unwrapped it. You didn't put it together. You didn't start using it. You've left it maybe in the closet. And so what do you do? How do you rewrite your identity? The first thing that you got to do is begin to just enjoy the party. Can you imagine that? That's the only thing that the son had to do when he came home. Enjoy the party. Jesus loves you. Let yourself enjoy God's love. Enjoy his presence. Didn't we have an amazing time in worship today? Where we just got to just breathe and take a moment and just enjoy God's presence and what he's done for us and just lift up the name of the most high God and just love him for who he is. Not what we've done, not how good I am, not what I can do, no, for who he is. So enjoy the party. Sometimes some of you come to church and you just look like you've been sucking on lemons all the day. Hey, let go and enjoy the party. Enjoy the party, it's okay. Jesus saw you when you were getting in your car this morning to come to church. He saw you before you walked in those doors. He had the table all set, he was ready for you. And so come into his presence and enjoy the party. The second thing that you gotta do is get convinced. Just because you went to the party, just because you attended the service, just because you're going to church, doesn't mean yet that you've let your heart be rewritten. Get convinced from the depths of your soul of who God says you are. What does Romans 8, 38 through 39 says? And I am convinced. Some of you need to say this every day until you get it. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to, separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you need to put that on repeat, on repeat, over and over and over. I am loved. I am accepted. I am a son. I am a daughter of God. The old is gone and the new has come. Isaiah 53.10 says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, maybe your life has fallen apart. Things are not going well. Maybe even some of it is due to your choices and your mess ups. Well, hey, guess what? Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken and my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. He loves you more. First John 4 18 says such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are if we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. In other words, we're still stuck in religion. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. You see, when you experience the perfect love of God, when you let him rewrite your heart, when you get convinced you're gonna be serving Jesus and doing the right thing out of a a want-to heart instead of a have-to heart, that's where you wanna get. And that happens when you let Jesus rewrite your identity. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19 says, and may you have the power to understand, and this is my prayer for you as a pastor, Because it it doesn't come naturally. I don't know why. It's a mystery that we won't understand until the other side of glory. I don't know why. But for some reason, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high, how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Remember what you said at the beginning? You'll never understand it all. Once you think you have it figured out, it's deeper, it's longer, it's greater, it's wider, it's higher. Jesus loves you. Some of you just needed to hear this today because once again, you showed up feeling like you weren't good enough stuck in the shame stuck in the regret but man as you find your way back to god and you throw your arm or you throw yourself into the arms of the loving father you begin to understand that his love is deeper and his grace is longer than anything that you can imagine he was getting ready for you to come home he already had all the party stuff ready. He had the party planned. I mean, it, it, just, it just came out. Like he had it all prepared. They had already fattening the calf. They already had all the stuff ready. It's just time to get it out and start partying. He had already paid the bill. I believe that Jesus told this story to reshape how we saw the love of God as just a visual example that It's not by works. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. The love of God is a free gift to you. And here's what we know if we see the love of God differently, we're going to begin to see ourselves differently. And so, God, rewrite our hearts today. Jesus, we want your love to replace. Our shame. God, we don't want to feel like second-class Christians anymore. God, we want to step into your love. We want it to rewrite who we think we are. God, we, just like Peter saying, God, get away from me. I'm such a sinful man because he didn't even feel like he deserved to be in the presence of a loving God. God, we may not deserve it, but you've invited us in. And so help us to see ourselves as dearly loved and accepted children of God. If you're here today and God's been working over your, on your heart over these last few weeks, he's been working on your heart. And maybe you remember how in the beginning of the story, the son left, he turned away from the father. He went and did his own thing. He succumbed to a life of sin, just like every single one of us have. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious ideal, of God's standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. And he did that when Jesus paid the price for our sins, right? And so if you just want to bow your heads and close your eyes, if if you're there today, and man, last week, we experienced that feeling of regret that, that hopefully turns us towards repentance and saying, God, I'm a sinner that needs a savior. And today, you're ready to give your heart and your life to Christ. You're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. You're ready to say, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna make you Lord of my life. Man, God, I understand now that this is a relationship of love and forgiveness. It's not about works, I can't earn it, I don't deserve it, but I accept the free gift of salvation that you've given me. And so if that's you today in this place, boldly, I want you to raise your hand and say, Joe, that's me. I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. I see that hand. Anybody else that would say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm so sorry for my sins, God. I'm walking in with shame, but I want to leave knowing I'm accepted and fully loved by you. Anyone else? If you're online today watching, you can raise your hand right in your living room. You can reach out to God today. You don't have to be in church for God to meet you. That's how good He is. Amen. Right now, as a congregation, we're going to pray a prayer together with those that raise their hands. And so, repeat this after me. Jesus. Come on, real loud and proud like we mean it. Jesus, I give you my life. I believe. You died on the cross. You rose again. And you did it for me. To forgive me of my sins. I accept this free gift. Help me to see myself like you see me. Help me to live out your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.